came to realize that what started out as a natural disaster became a man-made disaster. We cannot control the natural disaster, but what we can do is control our response. Have you ever wondered whether disasters are actually natural? If so, you're in the right place. Hello and welcome. My name is Jason von Medding. I'm Xenia Chmutina. And I'm Darian Alexander-Williams. This is Disasters Deconstructed, a podcast where we examine why disasters really happen. Today's episode is part of season four. Thank you for tuning in. Hey. hey. That was the worst altogether. Hey, Amber. We tried. It was a little rough. Oh, well. Hi, happy new year. Welcome back. Yeah, good to be back. We've had a little bit of a break. And we're all rested and full of energy. Um, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> at least 2020 is over. At least 2020 is over. We're here. We made it. This is season four. Welcome back to season four. This is season four. Yeah. It's amazing. We got to season four and uh, every every season we're like, whoa. <laughs> we, we How did, did you get here? I yeah. know. I know. <laughs> for season four, we're joined by Darren Alexander-Williams as a third host for the season. We're so excited that you're with us, Darian. I'm so excited to be here. This is such a special, a special space that y'all have built. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we we are just really glad that you um, agreed to join us in this endeavor. And today we wanted to kind of lay out what's in store in season four and how we came together to create the content and what we're going to talk about, um, how it's going to be structured, what you can expect. And so one of the things that we wanted to do with season four was um, to bring into focus, I think, some of the stuff that was going on in 2020 with the unrest in the U.S. And um, we, you know, we, we've worked with Darian quite a lot over the last year, and we started having some conversations about curating some content because there's a lot of scholars in the U.S. who are particularly affected by the unrest in the U.S. and by structural violence right and so just really so happy that darian agreed to join us and curate some content for the first half of the season that is centering black and brown experience in the u.s and it's going to be amazing and then moving on from there in the second half of the season we also wanted to continue a more global focus but also look at oppression and injustice and inequality that is foundational and like how risk is created in the world and so our second half of the season is focused on the global south we're really excited about that too indeed and we have a lot to unpack in this season and we have absolutely fantastic guests and you know we'll talk a little bit about this later on Um, but before um I, i tell you a little more about season four i want to to hear this little piece from the book that i've just finished reading because it's really as i finished reading it last week um, it resonated with the season a lot for me. And this is a book by Isabel Wilkerson called Cast the Lies that Divide Us. And in this season, I think we will talk a lot and reflect a lot about oppression, marginalization, and labeling. And so in her book, um, Wilkerson talks about caste as a, as a kind of divide, right? So racial, uh, divide and divide that 
that is really um, in our society um, and that is very obvious we just don't want to talk about it and so she writes the cast members become associated with their characters typecast locked into either inflated or disfavored assumptions they become their characters as an actor you are to move the way you are directed to move speak the way your character is expected to speak you're not yourself you're not to be yourself stick to the script and to the part that you cast to play and you will be rewarded we are from the script and you will face the consequences we are from the script and other cast members will step in to remind you where you were off script do it often enough or at critical moment you may and you may be fired demoted casted out your character conveniently killed off in the plot when we are cast in into roles we are not ourselves we are not supposed to be ourselves we are performing based on our place in the production not necessarily on who we are inside we are all players on a stage that was built long before our ancestors arrived in this land we are the latest cast in a long running drama that premiered on this soil in the early 17th century and she writes of course um, about it in the us context and i just thought this would set the scene so well for us um the format of the season will be slightly different we will have mixes of interviews and also there will be some discussions that um Darren Jason and I will hold among ourselves there will be some interviews that Darren has had with gay with the guests and sometimes three of us participated and then the second uh, part of the season is just uh, Jason and me as usual and as always in the season we will have a history episode and this time we would love to hear you telling us what your thoughts are on vulnerability uh, i think it really will be quite exciting to hear uh, the the ideas and the reflections on this mm. contested um, concept right we also have some special episodes coming up on fridays from time to time so you know follow our twitter feed and facebook and all that all that we are hoping to have a few live streams uh, we will be discussing uh, built environments and disasters um I think in mid January but we'll let you know um soon and we are having a couple of book groups planned the first one again will happen shortly um where we will be talking about the era of gods by Chino Achebe and we're hoping to have a book group discussion with the out of the woods writing collective about their new book hope against hope and maybe it's already implied uh there are some critical issues that underpin this season in particular Um so when we talk about disasters often the default authority figure is a western white straight cis able-bodied male why is that uh we have created space and created space for conversations in particular to challenge inequities and injustices in platforming voices and we have a few pretty deep conversations about working in a colonized space and how that frames the questions we ask the way we think about ourselves our communities other communities uh and even our own bodies i'm so excited about this season it's it's like something different but it builds on i think what we've done before right and unpacks it i think from new perspective as well mm-hmm. so i you know let's 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 kind of ask Darren a few questions since <laughs> since we started <laughs> this <laughs> so Darren Tell us a little bit more how did you come about to structure the interviews the way you did and how perhaps you chose the themes that you have chosen I was really interested in having some deep conversations with 
non-disaster scholars um, mm. or people <laughs> who um, people or even disaster scholars who helped me sort of see a bigger picture in a larger world and sort of see mm. uh, how even the idea of hazard or disaster or risk kind of touches things that were outside of the bounds of what was initially presented to me as um, sort of in the realm of inquiry for a student of disasters, a student of disaster studies. I, I think it's so interesting, right? Because kind of disasters are very often portrayed as niche, as sort of um, a specific thing that like people study, right? And I guess it's that hazard-centric approach again that we keep coming back to occasionally, um, and that is why we see disasters as an event and not as a process. And I suppose um, what you've talked about, the themes that you raised in your interviews, kind of touched upon that. Yeah, um, just sort of following the thread or seeing where the ripples lead you um, mm. and also like where they've kind of always been. Um, and so when I think about uh, who was approached to be part of this season, um, I think about like a, a, a recent tweet by Sankofa Brown um, over at North Carolina State University. Um, and, and he said, good morning to those who know another world is possible. <laughs> um, and um and i know some of our early conversations uh about how the season could look um both of you kind of helped me think through taking myself somewhere else and maybe taking the listener um to a different place than maybe they have been um when they think about disaster yeah. um and not just sort of geographically but also mm -hmm. just conceptually politically um and so I hope I hope that's been accomplished with at least the first half of the season. I think, Darren, the first time that I heard you speak and contacted you after was at the Bill Anderson Fund session. Yeah. It was a great session and I felt really got to some of the more critical like ideas behind the study of disasters. And part of that was just that I think that undercurrent of a different type of structural analysis of disaster that you were bringing in some of the others that day. Mm. And yeah, just having just moved to the U S I think when, when I went to the hazards workshop that year, mm. I hadn't had much exposure to the Bill Anderson fund mm. and the, the scholars that are involved. Maybe you would share a bit about that for, for the listeners, because I think it's a, it's an interesting, um, maybe hopefully a transformation in the, in the disaster and hazards study space. Absolutely. Um, so the Bill Anderson fund or the, the, the William Averett Anderson fund officially, hmm. uh, is an independent nonprofit and a group, um, started by Norma Anderson, um, in memory of, uh, 
her late husband, Bill Anderson, um, who is a disaster scholar, who's a sociologist. Um, and the group uh, supports black and brown scholars of hazards and of disaster. And I'm really grateful to that group of people because uh, it's provided space to address some of these issues on our own terms um, mm. and mm. to not even I mean, to even be part of the group. You don't have to sort of perform an interest in disaster and frame it in kind of like a sterile uh, sort of depoliticized language of like mm. equity or vulnerability. Um, like the group is meant to bring in people who've been personally affected by disasters and black and brown people and black and brown communities mm. uh, who are seeking to understand the conditions um, and to intervene in the conditions that have produced um, harm. Mm. So, uh, so yeah. And it's also just a big family. So I love that whole group <laughs> of people. Mm. They keep me going. Um, and it's, um, it's making, I don't know. I think it's making a mark. And I think Norma Anderson knows quite a bit about building community and sort of building alternative institutions, which I think is what we need. Yeah. And I think like we, we've been um, trying, I think since season one, where we, we talked to a lot of people that we knew in season one and um, we realized it wasn't such a diverse group. Right. And it mm -hmm. wasn't really representing the, the scope of voices who um, have amazing things to contribute to the to the discourses around disaster, mm -hmm. and yeah, some of that just comes from from our own lack of exposure, you know. And so I I just I loved recognizing the uh, the the contributions of Black and Brown people in the United States when even more so when I when I came to live here, right. And so, I, yeah, I'm just, I'm really grateful that you're joining us this season. And mm. we, yeah, we're, maybe, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what um, the listeners have to look forward to in terms of the content that you have prepared. Absolutely. Um, I do want to say, like, one of the things that I'm grateful uh, to hopefully accomplish with this season um, is sort of centering black and brown voices who have done the work regarding um, developing a politic and an understanding of mm -hmm. uh, a, a white power structure, of, um, of revolution, of race, of gender. Um, but I've also invited them to be part of these conversations to share uh, on their expertise <laughs> um yeah and mm -hmm. uh, and while they have sort of this deeper understanding of structural violence um that is also inflected in some of their other kind of work that maybe they don't get asked about quite as much um mm. and so i'm really grateful to have people on the show this season to talk about um death burial remembrance grieving um to actually engage the the natural world and even undo some of our assumptions about 
sort of biological processes. Um, mm-hmm. People talking about mass extinctions and evolutionary biology. Um, if folks to discuss, uh, yeah, like following the ripples of something like COVID-19 into realms kind of outside of our main preoccupations and sort of the immediate impacts of a pandemic. So talking about storytelling and radio as a medium, talking about mm-hmm. infrastructure justice, um, and sort of following a lot of these threads into, into communities, into discussions about people's physical bodies, into graves um, and lineages. And um, if that sounds really poetic, it probably, I don't know, it, like it, it was, it has been a very poetic experience um, going all these places with these folks that we have on for season four so that's what we have in store and i'm super hyped about it Yeah, it's, it's going to be great. The couple of conversations that um, you've invited me into were absolutely fascinating. And I'm sure our audience would love them because we've, we've learned so much. We've learned so much already um, through just talking to uh, these people. So, yeah, thank you so much. I think um, a cool thing is, you know, we, we ha- it's something we've done in previous seasons. It's like try to invite people maybe a little bit outside of disaster, but... Mm. You know, with the recognizing that almost every every area of science is connected in some way to how we understand disasters, um, and so recognizing that and trying to get an angle on different topics, but often it's not people who are who who whose personal experience is violence and oppression mm-hmm. um, in different ways to come and share their expertise and like how it relates to our core um, theme of like the injustice and inequality that underpins disaster risk. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting thing here about this season is really centering the voices of people with expertise in different areas who also understand the root causes of disaster very personally. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, I think it makes it makes for a lively discussion when mm. when we don't compartmentalize these things. Um, mm-hmm. We can have a conversation about um, genomes um, mm-hmm. and tectonic plate shifts and <laughs> um, and like food geography and yeah. the way uh, different communities of people have different relationships with with food and the idea of preserving certain kinds of plants um, in an era of like reckoning with climate change, Um, Mm. like all of that coming together in a conversation. It's beautiful. Right. Instead of just like you're a biologist. So I'm going to speak to you about biology. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So um, (laughs) this, so this season has been a gift to me already. Uh, I hope it's, I hope it's a gift to, to you listening. I guess just bringing together all these knowledges, right, and highlighting that there are knowledges, and if mm. we embrace them, uh, we will just learn so much more. Um, 
hopefully makes the experience so much more fulfilling as well. And talking, but but I suppose uh, one of the things we also wanted to achieve in this season is to um, engage more with the scholars, not just in the USA, but scholars who are kind of almost forgotten, right? Yet who do amazing work um, also in disaster field mm -hmm. and fields related to disasters. I think generally as an academia, we kind of, we fail massively to engage with anyone who may not necessarily uh, publish in English, right? Or whose language isn't English, not as a kind of native language, but you know, who, who don't use um, English on a day-to-day -day basis. And th that just uh, creates so much isolation for us, you know, and we, because we just, we, we don't, we don't know so much. And so that was the second uh, the, the focus of the of the second half of the season. I I I want to follow this thread um, and ask both of you uh, how did you <laughs> sort of decide <laughs> who to approach, how you're going to structure your conversations, um, whose voices that we want to like put next to each other and sort of see what happens. What does that look like for you? Uh, I think you know both Jason and I were we've been quite kind of uh, privileged. Um, in that we've been working internationally quite a lot, um, you know, and we've we've just engaged through so many years with fantastic scholars. And in the past few years, as many of you know, we've really been um, working hard uh, with quite a few scholars, in particular pushing the manifesto and working a lot towards developing the principles of the Disaster Studies Manifesto, in that we really need to work together and we need to work with the local researchers, local in terms of power, right, power relationship, to make sure that the voices are heard um, and that we we understand the kind of the context um, from which these voices uh, come because they, they know what, what they're talking about. And that is, I guess, how we invited the guests for the second um, half of the season. Yeah, I think from my perspective, it's um, an extension maybe of what we've been doing in some of our projects and some of our writing mm -hmm. in the last couple of years, you know, especially when we're talking about like disaster concepts and meaning of different terms and then what happens when you translate them. Um, and the, the stuff we've been uh, working on recently about that, recognizing that the, the dominance of the English language mm. enforces a certain power on those who are at the periphery or, or not only on scholars. I mean, that's one thing that you, mm. you picked up on there. Um, you know, how people are certainly have expertise but are isolated or pushed to the margin um, because of mm. the dominance of English. And yeah. either their work doesn't get recognized or um, or they just find it more difficult, right? They're at a disadvantage in terms yeah. of being being cited and being promoted and you know, all yeah. sorts of ways in which people are disadvantaged because of the dominance of English. So, um, I think the, the work we've been doing on translation has definitely opened my eyes to some things um, about the way academic publishing works. Um, but it's also like, it's not only in the academic space, it's also mm -hmm. like the communities that 
are experiencing risk around the world. And m- many of those are in the global south, right? Mm-hmm. And many of the communities that disaster researchers that we speak to on a regular basis for the podcast are working with are in the global south. And we need to recognize the colonial approach to to research sometimes that occurs in disaster studies. I think there's a lot of people that are talking about this, but it's not something that's that's comfortable. You know, I've been I've been re- revisiting um, Eduardo Galeano's uh, Open Veins of Latin America, and in the in this episode, we we will talk quite a lot about the Latin America and the Caribbean region. And I found yet another piece that I'm going to read for you. <laughs> surprise, surprise! <laughs> uh, which um, which again I think uh, just resonated with me. Um, and so it, it is pretty short, um, and I'm starting to read it now. It's called The Nobodies. Fleas dream of buying themselves a dog, and nobodies dream of escaping poverty. That one magical day, good luck will suddenly rain down on them, will rain down in buckets. But good luck doesn't rain down yesterday, today, tomorrow, or ever. Good luck doesn't even fall in a fine drizzle, no matter how hard the nobodies summon it even if their left hand is tickling, or if they begin the new day with their right foot, or start the new year with a change of brooms. The nobodies. Nobody's children, owners of nothing. The nobodies. The no-ones. The no-bodied. Running like rabbits, dying through life, screwed every which way. Who are not, but who, who could be. Who do not speak languages, but dialects. Who do not have religions, but superstitions who do not create art but handicrafts, who do not have culture but folklore, who are not human beings but human resources, who do not have faces but arms, who do not have names but numbers, who do not appear in the history of the world but in the police blotter of the local paper, the nobodies who are not worth the bullet that kills them. Wow, I love that piece. I've been rereading Open Veins of Latin America recently. Mm. Um, I just love Galeano's work, as you know. So. <laughs> yeah. I know. And so I, I have a question then. Um, so I, I think I, for a very long time, have been uh, averse to my work even approaching international contexts because how a lot of sort of disaster um, oriented international work from a U.S. perspective to me looked um, kind of vulture-ish, like yeah. people sort of parachuting in, mm. um, witnessing witnessing like the death and destruction that um, probably the United States has some hand in, mm. cranking out some paper and then going back home. Um, mm-hmm. And I think through working with both of you this past year, um, I've sort of been introduced to like new models of collaboration and sort of, I think my first genuine sort of international kinds of collaboration. Mm. And I, I want to ask 
how you um, how you've done that uh, and, and what it, what did that look like or what what are sort of guiding thoughts to not be exploitative um, when joining forces with people in different global contexts and is that like a form of solidarity for you like how, how are you thinking about that hmm. I mean for me now it is indeed a form of solidarity but you know i'm, I'm not without a scene um it, it it took quite a few years to realize that to, to, to kind of reflect i suppose on how i do research um and it was thankfully to those you know thanks to those people that i work with i was lucky enough to work with people who really kind of mentored me you know and made me think about the power relationship because i think i started like so many other researchers in that you know, we just go kind of research, write a paper, right? And and that'll be that. Um, but at the same time, I I guess I have had the privilege of living in different countries and kind of speaking different languages, right? So that helped me to engage with foreign context a little bit more. But of course, without, I, I, I would never say that I understand them. And it, what I learned, however, is to work with local people and... Um, very early on, I learned that they know more than I ever would um, about their particular place. But it took years to actually implement that in the research. And, you know, there's, we still have problems, right? Um, far from ideal. But perhaps if we work together in solidarity, that, that would be solved at some point. Yeah, I, I would have a similar story. You know, when I, when I started in this field i i probably um had a lot of uh white saviorish thoughts to work through um in the way that i, I approached um the research and that, like i mean i was very um very naive and didn't have a lot of intellectual guidance i suppose in the disaster field mm -hmm. so i didn't approach it with a lot of preconceived notions about how I should do it. And in some ways, that was a good thing. I mean, I was right out in the field and immediately recognized that people there, I was working in Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, realized that people there with experience knew so much more than I knew. So I never approached with any idea that I had better <laughs> ideas than people that were there, right? Where I, kn I know some um, people who come up through, you know, a Western institution with lots of mm. intellectuals around them speaking about their, uh, different, different concepts and ideas and theory and stuff and, and then go to the field and are kind of above the local experience in some ways or feel they're above it. Um, I never had that, but I, I definitely did have a lot of processing to do with, with regards to my own identity and mm -hmm. how that positions me you know in in relation to the research and all of the privileges that that i um have personally and and how do i form solidarity with um people who have extremely different experience
can I ask how um, how both of your sort of reflections um, played out for how the second half of the season goes, and you know, what kind of what kind of content uh, should we look forward to? Uh, what do we have in store? Ooh, so much to look forward to. Where do I start? We, I suppose, went somewhat geographically as well as thematically. Um, you know, as, as we said in the beginning, and so. In the second part of the season, we will be talking to quite a few disaster scholars. And so we will be reflecting on disasters and the processes of disaster risk creation in, um, in the Caribbean, in the Latin America, also in Southeast Asia and um, in uh, Southern Africa. We reflected on the processes of urban development or maldevelopment. Um, as I guess we, 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 we all know, we came back, I think, quite often to the notions of community and the power within community and kind of the participatory approaches um, of research as we see or should be seeing them um, and our, our relationship with communities as researchers. Um, and we also talked a lot, um, quite a lot about labeling and categorization, um, in particular about gender, um, sexuality um, and and uh, different categories and why that is problematic when we try to unpack disaster as a process. I think that some of the things that keep coming up in the second half of season four were related to the experience of risk in the global south as being something that is very much rooted in like a struggle against imperialism and against coloniality. You know, we have ongoing struggle in in a lot of the places that are quote unquote researched, you know, in disaster studies. Um, and there's a lot more to it than just this like surface level, oh, people are vulnerable in this place. Mm. And it's really, it's really sad, right? Because mm. that's not what that's not what's going on at all. And if we take that sort of normative approach to studying disasters, we are completely missing the idea of root causes. And I think it's intentional a lot of the time because it's uncomfortable to talk about power and it's uncomfortable to talk about oppression. So I think that's certainly what we're trying to do in the second half of this season is um, connect you know, those experiences of violence and oppression to the first half as well and mm -hmm. platform voices who not only have expertise in these topics but have personal experience to share to that core message of the podcast which is disasters aren't natural right <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. i guess overall the underlying kind of um motto if you wish perhaps for me of this season four is again something from galeana uh, who said that development develops inequality. And mm. perhaps in every single episode, we are reflecting on that somewhat. Okay, so now you all have a little bit of an idea about what is coming up in this season. There's a lot of serious content and it's going to be intense in parts, but we're also going to have fun, like always, right? Absolutely. Um, although I will try not to tell too many jokes. <laughs> <laughs> no such thing. 
I think I think a live jo- disaster joke live stream is definitely on the cards in in some time in twenty twenty one. So I just want to thank both of you for having me be part of the season, and this has been a really great ride so far. And I think what's to come will be quite interesting. Well, thank you, Darren. Yeah. We're just thank so pleased you. to have you joining us and um, bringing something different to the podcast. Um, and I think everybody has has a really great season to look forward to. We're so excited you're with us. Absolutely. I totally agree with Jason. It's been great to have the season with you. And also, it's been so much fun to get to know you a little bit better. And I do hope we'll meet in person one day, Darren. <laughs> one day, one day. <laughs> Well, thank you all for being with us today. And before you go, a few quick reminders about how you can stay connected with the podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at DisastersDecon. The podcast is available on all the major platforms. Please download, share, and most importantly, subscribe. And if you haven't already done this, we really appreciate your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. This will help us to continue making content for you. You've been listening to Disasters Deconstructed. And don't forget, disasters are not natural. See you next time.